This week on Writers, Inc. But in Cairo at the fall of Mubarak and Gaddafi, when Gaddafi fell in, tri- in Tripoli, and this was, I mean, literally just little nuggets in 20 seconds. I reached across the table and said, yeah, we can work together. Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out, school's in session. This is Writer's In. All right, I'd like to welcome our new sponsors, the Barker Group. We specialize in construction, demolition, and dumpsters. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm only half joking. Uh, should, we, should we let the listeners in on the inside joke here? Uh, yeah, you might as well. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of my apartment, uh, I... I texted JD a picture of uh, some type of backhoe or construction equipment. It said the JD uh, Barker Construction. I was like, oh, that, or it's a J Barker Construction. I'm like, that's interesting. JD is is uh, expanding into construction equipment. And then today, this morning, this big truck pulls up, and on the side of it, it says the Barker Group. And I'm like, man, this guy's everywhere. <laughs> Sadly, it wasn't me. My wife won't let me buy big old construction toys as much as I would I would like to. Uh, it, it's funny though because we've got a dumpster in front of that that new garage that we put up that's been sitting out there for three weeks, and these guys were supposed to pick it up, um, you know, like I think two and a half weeks ago, and like they keep scheduling appointments and they keep saying they're going to show, and then nobody shows. Um, so I'm waiting to either get a really big bill for a dumpster because it's been sitting out at my house for you know like six weeks longer than it was supposed to be, um, or they just completely forgot about it, and I'm going to be putting a dumpster on Craigslist, you know, like this time next week just to get it out of here. But, um, yeah, it's been one of those weeks. Yeah, I, I could uh, – I, somehow I, when that truck pulled up, I just – I had this vision of Zach and I getting out. <laughs> the, the, the Barker just hired us to run He hired us company. to do demolition. We look there's, like there's guys probably... that step out of a truck doing demolition, don't we? Yeah, there, there's a sitcom in that, I think. <laughs> maybe, maybe a Netflix series. <laughs> oh, man. Um all right, publishing stuff. Um, I, I I bit the bullet and I downloaded Atticus. Have either of you guys tried this yet? Love it. Yeah, you've been using it? Yes. Okay. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it to become more of a writing tool just because right now, because uh, w- I love the promises that, uh, not the promises, but the things that I think it'll become. But right now it just kind of seems like a vellum replacement and I have that. So, but when it becomes like an all in one, like what he's talking about where you write your books and do everything in there, then I'm going to take a really, really hard look at it. Yeah. It's very bare bones right now. Um, but the, the interface is, is clean. You know, it's very easy to use. I I love the export, um, function, you know, like where basically it exports, you know, ready to to upload wherever it is you need to upload where I'm running into headaches are basically two different places. Um, the book I'm working on right now, 
now is another uh, traditionally published book. And everybody in that world works with Microsoft Word. Like there, there's no way of getting around that. And Atticus has a way to export into um, into Word, um, but it's completely stripped down. And I totally understand why. I mean, they're essentially eliminating all the formatting and all those things that make you know Word documents clunky when you're trying to, to use them, you know, when you're trying to format and you're trying to do this and try to do that. Um, the problem is it's stripped down like to the point where like there's nothing there. Like the paragraph breaks are there, but like there's no line spacing and um, you know, it basically loses everything. Like it doesn't even have, have smart quotes. Um, so that was kind of a, a little bit of a hiccup. And I, I went back and forth with their support and we kind of figured out how to, you know, in Microsoft Word, how to go back and replace those things and put them back in there. So we came around with a, a workout for that. Um, and the other thing I was running into is, you know, I love the fact that you can use it on your Mac and you can use it on your iPhone and you can use it in a browser. Um, but I was experiencing sync issues between those various platforms. And I've kind of gotten spoiled with, with Simple Note. You know, like I can open Simple Note on my, my iPhone and I can type, you know, like one word into a document and I can literally watch that word appear on the Simple Note document on my Mac, you know, like a second later. Like I, I don't know how they sync, uh, but I've never run into a conflict issue with them. Um, but, you know, right out of the gate, I kind of put Atticus through the test, you know, just to see if the syncing would work properly. And I, I did run into some snags there and I'm sure they'll, they'll fix it and it'll, you know, it'll improve with time. Um, but, you know, right now that makes me a, a little nervous. So I'm just, you know, being careful. I'm opening one version on my computer and, and that's it. Yeah, that was one of the things I was kind of curious about how well the cloud syncing worked. But as far as what you're saying about, um, going out as a word file i think that that'll probably be better once it does become more of a writing tool than just a formatting thing because like right now to me like i said i haven't used it but i've seen it, it looks just like vellum and the way i use vellum is by the time i get to that program my manuscripts already gone through edits and everything so like i don't need it to come out as a word file i have the word file that i put into vellum to then get my ebook because the book is done at that point. So I think that that's probably part of the reason why it's like that because for if you're formatting, usually you don't need to come out back to go to a Word file to go to an editor or whatever. But again, I know that it's promising to be something a lot more in an all-in-one tool. So yeah, I mean, it yeah, that just, was one of the features I was. Oh, sorry. Um, that was one of the features I was actually looking for because I, you know, I work very closely with an editor before I submit anything to my agent or my, my editors at the publishing company. So I've got a, a personal editor that runs through and does copy edits for me. And, you know, one of the things that they had mentioned was the ability to basically share that document with your editors. So you're all working within the same file, um, which is something I would absolutely love to have. Um, but at this point, that's just, it's not there. And I, I loaded up their roadmap. They've got that on their website. So you can see what they're working on now, what you know features are rolling out. Um, you know, so that's encouraging. It's, it's all there. It's just not in the, the program yet. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, it is, uh, it's not a beta version. It's, it's fully functional, but all the functions are not built yet. And so uh, I think right. that's, that's sort of how the tech world works is you roll out your MVP and then you get some feedback from customers and then you, you develop along those lines. So I didn't expect it to be full on collaboration and, and a writing tool out of the gate. Um, I will say, though, as someone who doesn't have a Mac, uh, I've never been able to use Vellum, and and uh, yeah. as far as the formatting goes, it's it's a dream. I mean, I'm sure Vellum works the same way. But uh, the other thing that I test is I took several books that Zach formatted in Vellum, and I dragged and dropped them into into Atticus, and it was it was perfect. Like so, I think for nice. for folks who have paid to have books formatted, and if all they have is the Mobi or the EPUB. You can take that and bring it into Atticus, and then you can you can make changes. You don't have to go back to a designer and ask them to make those formatting changes. 
Yeah, honestly, I mean, from an indie standpoint, if you're, you know, in, in a position where you can do the entire project within Atticus, you know, it, you know write it, edit it, do everything all, all in there and then publish it. Um, it it's you know, you, you can tell it's shaping up to be the perfect tool for that. That That's where it's heading. And, you know, I, I keep reminding myself, you know, Publishers Rocket is fantastic, you know, like ev- everything about it. And like, these are the same people, um, you know, same development team, the same, you know, same insight. So that that's where this is heading. Like they, you know, yeah. it's very streamlined, you know, it, and yeah, it's not a beta version, but you know, it, how long is it? been out in the public like it's been a very short amount of time and i've been on the development side yeah (laughs) Yeah. i've been on the development side you know like as developers and programmers you put it through whatever ringers you think it's going to run into you you try and throw you know all these potential problems at it Um, but you can't think of everything and once it gets out in that real world you know a million other problems get tossed at it that never crossed your mind as a developer and and that's kind of where it's at right now and and honestly it's it's holding together really well all you know considering that yeah, and one last thing real quick, like just I think you hit the really important part is like I trust Dave, like I, and his yeah. team. I know that he's going to keep iterating on it and it's going to be awesome and and more to what Jay said too. I mean, there's it's got a long way to go, but I think that his big thing was to get it out there because you know, other than the free tool draft to digital has, there really hasn't been a competitor to Vellum that Windows users can use, that PC users can use. So, I think that was probably his main thing to like get it out there now and then just iterate on it. So, yeah, absolutely. So cool, a cool thing to watch if you're you're an author and you want to give it a shot. Um, I, I would definitely try it, um, and and sit back and wait. I, I've got a feeling we're going to see a lot of these other features that they promised rolling out, you know, fairly quickly. I think the interface is there, and it feels like the the work under the hood is is you know is moving along very swiftly. So, um, other publishing news. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Spotify bought Findaway. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> so. That that's interesting. That that's a game changer. I think you know. I'm I'm sure there've been a couple you know, closed door meetings over at Audible and a little bit of raised voices and shouting happening on that side, trying to figure out how they're going to deal with this because that's that's a behemoth coming into the industry. Yeah, I had a, uh, I was talking to Joanna this week. Uh, we just happened to have a, a a catch up call scheduled, and and we were talking about this. And uh, I don't know if anyone's listened to her podcast uh, that came out this past Monday. Uh, she mentioned it. And uh, I think short term, it's going to cause some angst in, in the author community, especially the indie author community. But long term, uh, you know, this is Spotify, like taking the reins and challenging uh, Audible. And I've been so disappointed that that hasn't that, you know, Apple hasn't done that. Like Apple had the opportunity to take audiobooks and to challenge Amazon there. And, and they just haven't. And, and I think Spotify to me, this signals that they're serious about it. They're investing money in it, and uh, and they've already got the, the the user base. They've got the app. They've got the market penetration. Um, you know, whatever you think of Spotify, like you can think about that. But uh, they are definitely making a play for audiobooks. Yeah, kind of. I, there definitely is a lot of angst going on. Like I've seen it among people I've talked to. Um, but to me, it's just too early to start making assumptions. And I also think that. You know, we're in a much different position than the music industry was when, you know, Spotify really came in and shook things up. Um, I don't think the book industry, unless publishers are going to start, like if Spotify's plan is just to have unlimited audiobooks and pay pay pennies on their listens, like I just can't see publishers or independent authors opting into that program. So I think that they're going to have to offer something that's going to be a little more artist friendly. Um, maybe I'm being too optimistic. Some people would think, but, um, yeah. And I was telling Jay, I'm a little, this was the one thing I was kind of like curious about when, you know, with audiobooks, if Spotify was going to come in 
and I just started paying out to get my series I'm working on made, and I did ACX exclusive deals <laughs> because everyone I know who's making a lot of money with audiobooks, I mean, told me do that. So I'm like, okay. And I was like, well, Audible and Apple are the two biggest ones, and I don't really want to try to sell on my own. And of course, now Spotify's coming in. So I'm like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I pulled um, Forsaken from ACX exclusive, I guess about a year ago, and, yeah. and put it over at Findaway. Um, and, it, and it's not a huge moneymaker at, at this point. I mean, it's been out there for a long time, but that, that dollar amount coming in from Findaway has been creeping up, you know, month over month. Um, and, and this is definitely going to change things. I, I honestly need to go yeah. back, you know, pretty much all, other than Forsaken, everything I've got is traditionally published on the audio side. Um, and for the most part, Kristen, my agent, she sold the audio rights as a separate deal. So it wasn't part of the, the print rights. Um, you know, so in most, in most of my books, recorded books, did the audio books. Um, the publisher did the, the print books and, you know, separate entities. But I, I need to look at those agreements to, to determine whether or not streaming services are, are even part of, you know, the, the language that's in there. And if it is, you know, a lot. I, I seriously doubt they call out Spotify or streaming services by those types of terms. It's probably going to be some convoluted, you know, something or other that can, you know, possibly be used by an attorney to to fall into that particular box if they decide they need to do it. Uh, but I, I do see the publishers possibly taking advantage of this. I mean, somebody like Random House could dip into a back catalog and they could say, okay, we're going to give you these five thousand books for this discounted rate, um, you know, and and strike a, a side deal for for something like that. And depending on the way the contracts are set up, the authors may or may not have a say in it. So so a lot of things I think could could shift and happen very quickly. Um, you know, I, for what I, my mind keeps going to um, Black Widow and the way you know Disney released it on streaming. Um, you know, and Scarlett Johansson going out there and suing Disney over that because she owned a piece of the back end that she essentially didn't get because it, it went straight to the streaming services. You know, I, I could see authors kind of getting caught up in a game similar to that where we're we're playing cleanup trying to figure out how to you know recoup money that we thought we were going to get and we just lost because you know something else happened. But at the same time, you know, this is a whole other audience, a whole other, you know, environment, you know, for people to be able to get out there and, and try audiobooks that may or may not be doing them now. Um, so who knows? It may also just shake out in the wash. So, um, Jay, you recently doubled your investment portfolio, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> well, not in, not in a traditional way. Uh, I wanted to give oh. a shout out to a couple of our German friends, the guys who are part of Bookwire. They, they did their drop yesterday uh, for Creatokia. Uh, so if you're not familiar, they were on Joanna's podcast uh, not too long ago. Uh, what they're essentially launching, and we'll have a link in the show notes, is creatokia.com. It is going to be a platform specifically for authors to sell special edition books to readers. So that's the only type of NFTs that are going to be on this platform. And they're being really thoughtful and artistic about it. And uh, I, I got my, my NFT yesterday, and so hopefully I'll be one of the first authors who'll be able to sell an NFT in this marketplace. Uh, as we were talking uh, before we started recording, there's a lot of education that needs to be done around crypto and NFTs in, in the process. Uh, part of the problem is it's so decentralized, there isn't sort a one simple way. Um, so whether you're talking about your exchange or your crypto wallet or how you transfer funds, there's just a lot of confusion around that right now. Uh, it's early, it's extremely early. Um, but I wanted to give those guys a shout out because I think they're uh, they're taking a brave first step. They're investing a lot of money in it. If you look at the website, you'll you'll know immediately this is a high quality production. They're not just throwing something together. Um, so more to come on that. Uh, it's just the beginning. But if you do want to check it out, or if you if you have some idea what you're doing and you want to purchase a token, you can do that at Creatokia.com. 
I, I think Jay is being a little, he, he's sugarcoating this a little bit. It, it's honestly easier to build a nuclear weapon out of things found under your kitchen sink <laughs> than, it, than it is to buy cryptocurrency at this point with the number of steps and hoops you have to jump through. Um, so I, I really hope that the process itself gets a little bit easier. And we were ta- joking around about this before we started recording. I'm, I'm sure it will. You know, it, it's very early stages in, in, in all of this stuff. And honestly, as an investor, you know, that's when a lot of these things make sense. You know, like if you bought Netflix back when nobody knew what Netflix was, you're probably doing pretty well. You know, same thing with Amazon and Tesla and all these other fun investments out there. So this is the, an opportunity to get in there where you can either lose your shirt, you know, lose every single penny you put in or, or you're going to clean up big. There's usually no middle ground with this kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think it's just that you're, you know, you're an old fogey and you don't get it. And I'm kind of a hip <laughs> young dude and I totally get it. So. <laughs> That's got to. You be need it. to call Home Depot. <laughs> get on the phone with them. Hey, can y'all bring me ten of that cryptocurrency? <laughs> I don't think you can buy NFTs at Home Depot yet, but uh, but give it um. some time. <laughs> <laughs> we should get into the show here. Yeah. Well, well, I, one more, uh, <laughs> now that JD's getting picked on, he's like, "Who's our he's guest trying to today?" Deflect now. Well, uh, <laughs> one more piece of publishing news before we get to the uh, to the interview. Uh, we'll also have a link in the show notes to this, but. Uh, the folks at Written Word Media do an annual author survey. Uh, it's mostly it's indie authorship, but I think it's really interesting. Uh, and uh, they they interview or they do a survey of about a thousand authors, so it's it's relatively good sized uh, data set. Uh, and they ask them all kind of questions about the number of books they have out and and genres. And in this one in particular, they talk about the impact of the pandemic. Um, it's really enlightening. Uh, again, uh, acknowledging the bias that these are these are people who answered the survey, uh, so they're they're kind of motivated to share. Uh, but if you're if you're trying to get a sense of sort of where do you fit in the grander scheme of the indie author landscape, this is a great resource to check out. It's very interesting. All right. So uh, before we get to our guests, let's uh, uh, make sure we give a nice shout out to our wonderful sponsors over there at Kobo Writing Life. If you are looking to publish books internationally, set your own prices in all those different countries, get monthly promotional opportunities, and a real live person when you email and ask for help, then you need to go to Kobo <laughs> Writing Life. Uh, Tara and her team are prepared to handle all of your requests and concerns. And uh, if, over at KoboWritingLife.com, you can create your account and get started on that today. Also, want to give. You don't have to buy cryptocurrency today. Yeah, they're not accepting <laughs> cryptocurrency yet, but I bet they will. Uh, also want to give a shout out to uh, Dominica Pilo, who's uh, <laughs> supporting us on Anchor, which we didn't even know was a thing. So, uh, <laughs> so thanks for that, Dominica. Uh, if you would like to support the show through Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash Writers Inc. Podcast. And so that brings us to the guest, or should I say guests for this week? Yeah, so this week we've got uh, Gary Grossman and Ed Fuller. Um, they're the co-authors of Red Hotel and Red Deception. Um, this is a, a, a an odd couple, you know, as far as pairing goes. Gary's the former; he's a former television producer and journalist um, turned novelist. He worked at NBC, ABC, CBS, PBS, um, thirty six cable networks, according to his bio. Which is, you know, he's he's been in that industry for a very long time. And his writing partner is Ed Fuller. He's the retired president of Marriott, the hotel change. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what what these guys, you know, how they work together. You know, how they pull you know the, the knowledge from each other. And and I mean the the books. Are fantastic so they're, they're obviously doing something right so here they are gary grossman and ed fuller is there anything an international hotel executive can't do uh, starting with me on that well i've learned uh talking with collaborating with uh working with uh, ed fuller 
that every time I ask them a question about what goes on, I learn more. And a lot of that becomes the material that is in Red Deception and before that Red Hotel. And a lot of it is stored right up here, like what floor to stay on and no higher. Don't go higher and ask Ed this, but there's that information that goes in the book, but also goes in the head. Yeah, good point. So Ed, uh, tell Seventh floor. So I was gonna say, all right, which floor is it? <laughs> Why is that? But, but it depends on the city <clears throat> and it's based on the height of the ladder company that services that hotel. Unbelievable. Although I can't say I'm surprised because uh, getting into the into the uh, the series here, and we're going to be talking about Red Hotel, the Red Hotel series uh, with you guys. You have a new book out. Uh, I'm not surprised because that level of detail is in this novel. So why don't you tell the listener uh, what the what the uh, Red Hotel series is, what it's about, and then we'll get into Red Deception. Okay. Well, uh, the series itself starts with the title book, The Red Hotel. We have plans to do three, four right now. We're in the midst of finishing. Gary, how many pages to go? I've got about 15 more pages and then you get it all. <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> the, um, the one we're working on right now is Red Chaos. And so you've got the Red Hotel, Red Deception, and Red Chaos. Some themes go through the book, and that is a what I call a masterful a puppeteer named, well, in this case, for me, it's Vladimir Putin. But in the book, it, we have hidden each of these names in the background, but they are attached to real people in some cases, and in other cases, Gary's given us some latitude. But very quickly, the story itself is about a hotel executive. Um, my middle name's Daniel, so you can draw, draw your own conclusions, uh, that is working internationally, which I did for 22 years. Uh, I ran that division for Marriott and some of the challenges we ran into. And so your first, I think I hear a dog outside. I'll have to have a conversation with that. Uh, the first book starts with a hotel being blown up in Tokyo. That was the Jakarta Marriott. We just picked up, moved the incident to Tokyo and so we filled that in very quickly. And so from that point on, you will find different occurrences in the book that we are constantly using reference to some of the issues that I dealt with and using them in different locations and obviously different names. Um, the story of us is really Gary's story to tell and he can kind of build for you. And then I'll come back and give you some background on the name and some of the other things. Wow, it's like you guys have, have practiced collaborating 
even on a podcast no, episode. Well, that's what we do together. <laughs> it, it, we're brothers from other mothers, put it that way. <laughs> uh, there's a James Bond connection to us getting together. And, and, and I mean, a real James Bond connection, not just a fictional James Bond connection. Uh, I was out walking our dog uh, one evening, bumped into a fellow who lived in the neighborhood who I'd occasionally see and actually had worked with on... Uh, on some TV shows. Uh, and he said, uh, Gary, I've got a guy I want you to meet. I'm on a board with him at Boston University. And he's the former president of Marriott International. He wants to collaborate on a novel based on a lot of his experiences. And I thought, well, I collaborate on TV with people, but I've never collaborated on a novel. My other series, the executive action series, I wrote on my own, Old Earth, I wrote on my own. And he said, well, it's written on his own too. He has a business book called You Can't Lead With Your Feet on the Desk. And you have to read that because that's gonna give you insight. But I don't want you to wait that long. I want you to meet him right away. And I said, uh, okay, but I'm just not so sure. He said, you know what I do, Gary? I wouldn't be recommending this opportunity if it weren't a perfect match. Well, this fellow is Bruce Fierstein. He wrote the first three Pierce Brosnan, James Bond movies. And his dog is named Shadow. You know, how perfect is that? I met Ed uh, within the week. Um, and it took me, I, I, when we were talking about Red Hotel, I said it took me 30 seconds. No, that was a lie. It took me probably about 20 seconds to realize that Ed was as much in the anti-terrorism business as the hotel business. And because of what he did, he had to have contacts with the CIA and the FBI, uh, Interpol. He dealt with triads in, in China and uh, the cartels in, in South America and Mexico. Um, he had to get people out of his hotels in Mumbai. And well, in Mumbai, he helped protect the hotel from being bombed because of the security. But in Cairo at the fall of Mubarak and Gaddafi, when Gaddafi fell in, tri in Tripoli. And this was, I mean, literally, just little nuggets in 20 seconds. I reached across the table and said, yeah, we can work together. Fantastic. Well, and, and I, I love the origin stories. And given that this is a, a podcast for writers, can you, can you give us a little bit of insight on how your specific collaboration works? How, how do you go from the idea to the finished novel? Well, we spend a lot of time together so we no longer have a lot of secrets, but we still have information that we haven't shared yet with each other. And so what we're doing is true collaboration. I bring in some of the realistic stories. We, you, we may even use real names until we get them blended into the story and then give them a name. <clears throat> because these are real people and real challenges. So an example would be maybe Panama. Um, we, early in my assignment, I mean very early, uh, virtually uh, the first couple of weeks, a fellow named Noriega was not popular with our administration. And um, so we sent troops into Panama. Noriega's troops were really kind of cornered looking for some way to get back at America. So they started visiting the hotels 
in Panama City. We had one hotel and that hotel, the GM happened to be in the United States for surgery and the staff was all Panamanian and they were taking care of about 62, 67 guests. These are the important part of our life and our lifeblood. And so the Noriegan troops were spotted coming toward the hotel. The managers put all the guests into the laundry and into the various dryers and washers, covered them with clothes and sheets and everything and shut the door. And so Noriega's troops, and I did see this, uh, machine gunned every room, didn't go into the room, just blasted away. And so every room was uh, covered with bullet holes and impact inside. There was nobody there. They went down to the laundry and the staff, no, nothing going on here. And so they left and ultimately, which is another story, uh, we came in to get the customers out and get them out of the country. So those type of stories we utilize in the various pages that we put together. And my problem is I could write a business book. I had no problem there. And that was for me uh, a real priority. And I had been talked into it. And Bruce had read the book and said, you know, you ought to, you ought to make a movie on this. And so we were told though we needed action books. That's what was motivating me to go into another uh, media being film. And so um, as Gary described perfectly, uh, we were really coordinating on a novel, not real business book. And so the challenge was to bring those stories in to Gary because I had tried to write a novel. I had sat down, I said the trees were waving, the sky was blue, and they made love. And then I said, okay, well, that's chapter one. Chapter two, they were in the uh, cottage in the north, the snow was blowing, the fire was glowing, and they made love. <laughs> and I got to chapter three, and I said, uh, okay, I'm tired. So I knew I could not write a novel. I do not have the glue that brings stories together. I can do stories and can talk about them comfortably, but I was missing a way to make a novel, truly a novel with a story that just blended and oozed of excitement in between my incidents. And so that's why I was looking for Gary to help me on that. And the chef, I call him, uh, <laughs> is an excellent, excellent skills to make that happen. Gary? Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Thank you. Chef. <laughs> the, the collaboration uh, really, really works. And in, in fact, for, for people listening to the podcast, uh, I, I write from the comfort of my computer. I've had 
inside sources at the White House and State Department, and the FBI. Um, but Ed's stories, Ed's personal stories, are really the the foundation of these books. Uh, and and as thriller writers, we make things up. But the more we are closer to reality or tomorrow's news, not just today's, tomorrow's news, the more exciting it can be for the reader and, and also more of a more takeaway. My first year at Thriller Fest, I was um, on a panel about um, finding the reality within fiction. And there was one person, I don't remember his name, and he said um, he doesn't actually do any research. He just likes to make things up. Well, I come out of documentary films and television news, and I'm always doing research. Uh, and, and without research, there's not a page basically that, I, that we work on that doesn't have some research. And just sent me a couple of articles today that will work into a red chaos. And you know, the research that comes with Ed's experience is fantastic. So for, for thriller writers, for, for other writers, really use primary sources, reach out to people. And if you can collaborate with them and it elevates your work, all, all the better. I am. I consider myself the luckiest writer in, in the genre working with Ed um, because as I said before, it's endless. I just ask him another question. He says, well, yeah, you know, I haven't really told you about this event, which is hair raising and incredible and wonderful and people lived because of it. So what do you guys do if there? Uh, first of all, do you have disagreements about uh, about the way the story is going? And if you do, how do you resolve them? Well, we do have disagreements, but the good news is, uh, if only Congress could work like us, <laughs> uh, we'd be moving ahead in great form. But we talk about them, we debate them a little. Uh, and then I give the background on the story that I might be debating on, and we actually find some common ground that's even more exciting that we can glue together with that story. And of course, I'm happy. And Gary's in there with the glue, just making that occur. So uh, we, we give and take, and we are also focused on characters who are real. So I've introduced Gary to our head of security. Gary's gone through a hotel with me to get that experience in the back of the house, front of the house, everybody goes to. But those are ways that we handle anything we might disagree on. And um, we've gotten through a couple thousand pages, well, at least a thousand pages, already in print and we're off and running on the next thousand. And, and you, yeah, terrific, thank you. I'll give you an example of that. Um, Red Deception was nearly finished and Ed uh, was going through, we were having another discussion and, and we were really talking about, you know, the pacing of it. And Ed said, I, I think we need, I think we need something else. And let me tell you a story. Uh, the story involved a plane crash that Ed was in, um, and it, we moved where it occurred, Ed can explain it, but we moved from where it occurred into Venezuela, and it was just the magic sauce because it had um, 
it called back the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, there were similarities between uh, what what Dan Riley, the lead character in Red Deception in, in Red Hotel, discovers while being there because of the plane crash. He's basically spotting those first missiles that North Korea was planting. And, and this is not too much of a spoiler alert, but the first missiles they were planting in Venezuela between Venezuela and North Korea, part of the plan from the puppet master, the Putin character, Nikolai Gorshkov. And that was based on a real experience that Ed had. Bingo, it, back to the, back to the, I almost said typewriter, I'm dating myself, back to the computer, back to the laptop. And, and it just flew right off. So again, collaboration, no disagreement. The, the, the point was, Ed said, I think we need a little bit more here. And he had, he had it. Mm. Now, Ed, you had mentioned the difference between writing nonfiction versus fiction. And Gary, you, you've written nonfiction as well. Can you talk a little bit about the, the different mindset or the, the different approach in those different genres? Well, I think you're going to find in my case uh, the, uh, the book that I wrote, You Can't Lead With Your Feet on the Desk, was written by me by taking major themes in my business life. I worked for Marriott for a total of 40 years, but 22 of them were running the international division. And I had been chief marketing officer prior to that. So what we are talking about is that I would write down themes and I put them on the table in the living room. And then I went through all of my various call reports, which I still reference to give Gary stories and just drop those themes and call reports together and then just wrote it out. Now, Wiley published the book and the editor, Richard Naramore was really great and he basically said, okay, uh, we've got a good theme here, but there are two things you need. You need more Americans in here because you're doing primarily international. And these weren't crisis, these were learnings. And the focus on trust relationships were strongly throughout that with examples of how we worked with the different companies globally, 73 different countries. And so he said, I'm going to give you an editor who's going to help you do that a little. And um, you've got a few rough edges here. So the editor helped me, thank God. Uh, and uh, I'm sure I got a little extra help. And uh, we produced the book. Uh, it was published in Japanese, Chinese, and in English. And it's been sold very, very well. And that came out while I still worked for Marriott. So Bill Marriott wrote the foreword and um, we used his name on the book to help a little. And at the same time, that gave me my writing experience until that wonderful night that I sat there at the table thinking <laughs> about waving trees and chapters. And, and for me, um... It really does come down to research in both. I, I wrote two nonfiction books on television history, one on the old Superman TV series with George Reeves. I see you smiling. I know. Uh, <laughs> I hear you smiling right there. 
uh, and that's Superman Serial, the Serial. And then I wrote a book called Saturday Morning TV. It's a history of Saturday Morning TV. In both of those cases, it was all research and memory and what it meant to me. And I was approaching it as a journalist and research mattered. Along the way, I really got to meet virtually all of my heroes, my childhood heroes, whether it was Roy Rogers or it was Captain Midnight, uh, the surviving cast of Superman, Jack Larson and Noel O'Neill and Phyllis Coates, uh, character actors, the, the people who did the animation voiceovers. Uh, I got to meet all of them. Now um, I get to work with a real life hero. I get to work with Ed Fuller who has been in the field, an army vet from, from Vietnam, uh, who brought his experience and knowledge into his business. And that just brings me to working with editors at the publishers, uh, where we have a wonderful relationship with Beaufort Books. Um, but as Ed brought up, you work with an editor. How do, you, how do you work with an editor? The best thing to do is to listen and uh, try when you get notes, consider what is the note behind the note? They may not be saying something exactly right, but they may know what's missing or what needs to be explained more. And uh, with notes, we, we get notes. I try not to act on them, do the same thing with TV. Try not to act on them immediately. Let them just stay, think about them. What is it that's actually needed? Is the note actually, if somebody says the third act, it, things aren't right, does the third act need to be written or do you have to set something up in the first act or lace through some other conversations that make that third act work? They may think it's just the third act issue. Um, and, and lastly, again, back to Ed, uh, we got often editor notes, um, a, a really wonderful responsible notes that said, I really don't think this is believable. Would somebody actually do this in this situation? Are there really to this day um, characters like we saw in Red Sparrow and Salt that use sexpionage? Uh, it just, I don't think people will buy that these days. I said, talk to Ed, <laughs> talk to Ed. That happened, this happened, the other thing happened it's there. So sometimes you just have to tell and work with the editors and say, no, the names are different. We've protected the innocent. Well, I'd love there, to- There up. actually is a uh, CIA declassified document discussing sex. God, I have more trouble with putting that one together. Uh, and that was my trouble in the first when I tried to write the book initially. So um, anyway, that does exist. It's known throughout the industries. And guess what? Hotels often get drawn into that. Well, I've... Uh... Ed, this is, might be for you then a follow-up question about uh, you know how likely getting this in the editor notes. How likely is this to happen? Without being a spoiler, in Red Deception, the the opening sequence involves coordinated terrorist attacks that are sort of masking or or diverting attention from what what the Russians are doing at the borders of Ukraine and Latvia. So can you talk about sort of the, the likelihood of that scenario, um, maybe without giving away any state secrets, but in your opinion, what's the likelihood of that scenario? Well, when you look at the skill of the puppet master, back to Mr. Putin, 
you, it's very believable. And he, he uses pawns that cannot be tracked back to him. That's the underlying issue there. Now, as for the opportunity, I used to cross that bridge because Marriott was headquartered in Bethesda and Washington almost every day. And I'd sit there and go, you know, I hope nothing happens. One morning, Air Florida crashed over that bridge uh, in the 80s. And I'm sitting there going, holy smokes. Uh, and luckily, I had not gotten fully on the bridge. I was on the parkway leading into it. And uh, obviously, it was closed. Then I started thinking about you could hit three bridges in Washington and virtually slow down a lot of things. And then Gary started working with me and said, you know, we could do any number of these things. So yes, it's realistic. And there are so many ways to devil us today in whether it's hacking, whether it's a real attack where you impact the water, which showed up in this particular book, and so many ways that we can be impacted by someone that truly doesn't like us and has the skills, the abilities. And in this case, Putin has all of those and the guile and the motivation to do it because he wants to rebuild his empire. And as Gary wrote so artfully the history of Putin, and then we renamed him, uh, the um, facts are he was terribly, terribly impacted when the wall came down. He wants those countries back. And if you need to check that, all you need to do is go to Crimea where he took them back. We have a story in Georgia where he almost did, and we had two hotels, and that's been blended in. So, you know, those things are very real and very possible, though I don't want them to happen. No, nor do I. Uh, <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. I, I think maybe a nice way to kind of pull it together would be to ask either of you uh, to answer this, but uh, you've, you've alluded to red chaos is on its way. Uh, do you have a long-term plan for Dan Riley? Uh, you know, if, if so, where does the story end? If it, if it does, maybe you're not even considering that at this point. Uh, I'll start it. Uh, that's exactly what we're debating. And I asked Ed because he works with the State Department. He works with the CIA. Uh, he has to balance his relationship with the hotel organization, uh, Kensington Royal Hotels. His boss is basically um, giving him a year to figure out where he wants to be. Ed, is he gonna move over to the State Department? What's What do you think is gonna happen with Dan Riley? He's gonna live a long time. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, a lot will determine be determined by our readers and the comments we continue to get a lot will be determined by our ability to take and formulate the characters. Uh, but I am convinced that we will be into the second series uh, and we'll see what happens then. 
But Dan's going to be around whether he'll leave the hotel business or stay or go into the government business is a real question. All right, Zach, uh, I'm sure your dad knows Ed Fuller, right? <laughs> it's I thought about my dad the whole time. Which, shout out to my dad. He just uh, he's been retired now from the hotel business for about two weeks. So, all right, congrats, dad. Um, but yeah, my my this was this ep- episode in a weird way kind of hit home for me because my dad was in the hotel industry for forty years, and I grew up like several times in my life. I've lived in hotels and stuff, and. Um, you know, he's got some crazy stories, <laughs> um, everything from like having guns pulled on him and to like finding dead bodies in hotel rooms and stuff like that. So, uh, so here in, here in this and, you know, on a more international level and some of these crazy stories, I was like, wow, it's like crazy stuff really does happen in hotels. <laughs> You know, the first thing that I went to, like, I, I never really thought of like hotels and like what they probably have to deal with. Like, you know, they had mentioned anti-terrorism, um, but I imagine there are instruction manuals. There's probably government mandates. There's probably inspections or reviews or you know, regulatory bodies they have to answer to for all this kind of stuff. You know, so we're, we're standing at the front counter getting our keys and everybody's smiling at each other. Like all these kind of things are, are happening behind the scenes. Um, it, it made me think, have you guys ever heard of the Greenbrier Hotel in, in West Virginia? No, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this place is really cool. If you get a chance to, to go there, it's, um, I think there's a casino there now. So it's, it's actually, um, it, it's drawing a lot of attention. Um, but the hotel itself, they built a bunker underneath it to actually house all of Congress. And, and this was top secret. I mean, for like the longest time. And then some whistleblower came out there and mentioned that there was a train that basically ran from DC to this hotel out in the middle of nowhere. And this bunker had enough room to house all of these people. And, you know, in the event of a, you know, world war three or, you know, some, some other type of cataclysmic, um, event um, but now you can actually tour the bunker because it's all you know public info and it's just a, it's a really cool thing to see because you know like you, you don't know that it's there and like it makes you wonder about all these different you know hotels that you go to like what what they've actually got happening behind the scenes um, but from a, a bigger you know landscape or bigger um, point is you know these guys are doing so well and the books are so authentic because of the the particular pairing you know you've got somebody who knows this hotel industry inside and out and can provide knowledge you know well beyond you know anything you could ever research on you know Google as an author and you're you know, picking up books on your own trying to, to figure stuff out like this, this guy's got a, a wealth of knowledge and he's paired up with somebody who knows how to write fiction and it reminded me a lot of when it, I worked with Dacre Stoker on, on the prequel to Dracula um, you know because Dacre brought that that Stoker knowledge to the table and I brought the the fiction writing ability to the table um, you know and working with Patterson you know like same thing you know like he's, he's written books with Bill Clinton and those those couple of books like the insight that they have into the presidency is you know far beyond anything that a, a normal author could could come up with um, so that's a, a cool avenue I think a lot of authors should look at you know if, if you're you know thinking about writing something that's on the fringe or something that's tied to any particular industry go out there and see if you can find an expert you know and in this case ed fuller had never written a word of fiction before but he had written you know manuals and and you know books geared towards the hotel business on the nonfiction side um you know pair those two things up you never know what you're going to get yeah you you brought up two of this i i thought about the bill clinton and james patterson thing i thought about you and dacre too um you know and and uh, um, I think when a lot of when people collaborate, sometimes they don't think about those types of possibilities, like going to somebody who has an extreme knowledge of something, you know, but maybe doesn't necessarily have the the, you know, the wherewithal to actually sit down, put that into a story and fictionalize it and stuff, even though it sounded like from what they were saying, 
they they didn't hide many facts from some of these stories. <laughs> it, it, they, it sounds like they almost didn't even change some of the names. <laughs> but uh, they, but yeah, it's crazy all those all those stories and stuff that they had. Well, when we um, when Jim and I wrote the noise, you know, one of our fact checkers was the guy who wrote Black Hawk Down. Um, you know, who happened to be one of the guys that actually in that helicopter. So he was checking all of our military stuff for us. And there was one particular scene, and this, this is kind of funny, but like I, I was trying to figure out if there's a way to get somebody aboard Air Force One while it's in the air. Um, so I, I called Jim up and I, I asked him if he had any idea. And he's like, I don't know. I'll check with Bill. You know, so he literally hung up the phone, called Bill Clinton, and then he calls me back a little while later. And, and he said, no, there's no way to do that unless you're Harrison Ford. And like, I'm guessing that that was Clinton's answer to that. But like, you know, how, you know, he's going to an expert, you know, like that, that's the way you do it. If you want, you want something to be authentic, you go to those people that know. Um, so yeah, so the hotel industry though is, is, is fascinating. And I, I'm, you know, knowing that your dad came out of that, like that, that's new to me. Like I didn't, I've never heard that before, but like, I, w- I would probably pick that guy's brain left and right for, you know, little tidbits of info that, you know, things that he probably thinks are, you know, totally non-relevant, you know, not important. You know, those are the things that you want to grab as an author and stick in a book. Well, I was going to say, yeah, like it's, it's even, I'll even read people mess up like small things, like they'll mix up hotel and motel and stuff. Like people, a lot of people don't even know the difference in that. And, uh, like that'll even bother me, but like going even deeper, there's so much stuff that happens behind the scenes. Like even you were talking about manuals, you know, that Doubletree at all their hotels has a manual like this thick, just about the chocolate chip cookie they give you at the count at the counter. <laughs> Seriously, they make my dad. I can say this now because he's retired. He hates that freaking cookie <laughs> because I, of I how much of a big deal Doubletree made about <laughs> it when he worked for them. But. But, but think about that. I mean, that, that, you know, something as simple as a cookie, you know, like it, it tastes the same. It doesn't matter which yeah. double tree you walk into. Oh, they're it's all just, about the that experience cookie. you get with that cookie. Yeah. Believe me. That that's what made McDonald's what it is today. The fact that yeah. you can walk into any McDonald's and get that same, you know, big Mac, you know, like it's that familiarity is, is what sells it. I mean, if you were a horror writer, you could <laughs> team up with Ed and like, you could write a, a story about like a hotel in Colorado or something. That might be a cool idea. Hey, I have a story that I've been wanting to write for a long time that takes place in a hotel that I lived at for six months. That was creepy as hell. And it's not like the shining. So I'm going to tell that story eventually. <laughs> if you don't write it, somebody else will. No, they won't because I have the experience <laughs> in my head <laughs> and I have the setting. It was awesome. So, yeah, well, I really enjoyed talking to those guys. You could tell they were, uh, I mean, they, they they were having a good time. Like you could tell, yeah. writing that book together, talking about it, they were they were a good pair. They were really enthusiastic, and and the book is excellent. So, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. You guys have any any final comments or, or observations from that interview? No, I, I started reading the first one, and I'm, I'm definitely going to pick up the second one. I just I, I like the feel of it. It's it's different from the normal thrillers that I read. Um, you know, I, I like knowing that you know the the factual type of information that's behind there. You know, the background info is, is authentic. Um, you know, not just something somebody made up. You know, because I, I more and more lately, like I'm kind of getting that sense when I when I pick up a book, whether it's a police procedural or it's you know the, this type of book or that type of book. You just I'm getting the feeling that the author didn't put the time behind the research that necessarily needed to be there in order to make it feel real um and and these books feel real and 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 i like that yep so do i cool uh what's up next week jd next week we've got our q a so if if you want to pick our brains about anything publishing related or you know jay with cryptocurrency and um their hotel information now's your chance (laughs) (laughs) i'll I'll even chime in on my my dumpster and construction business yeah if you got any questions for the barker group let us know (laughs) the the barker group (laughs) 
Well, dude, Somebody owes me a commission. Yeah, <laughs> the Barker Group owes, owes us a lot now that we're giving them all this all this airtime. Just don't pay him in cryptocurrency because he won't figure out how to get into his bank account. It's freaking nutty, man. It's easier to print your own money on your inkjet than it is to buy crypto. <laughs> Uh, to our listeners, make sure you go to writersingpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode and have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.